father's tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, how are you today? It's Coach Kevin Furtado from the Championship Vision Podcast. Today is episode 179 with Coach Sam Caldwell. Coach Sam Caldwell is the head varsity girls basketball coach at New Hope Academy in Landover Hills, Maryland. Sam Caldwell is entering his fourth season at the helm of, at New Hope Academy, bringing 20-plus years of coaching experience and a commanding 344-90 and 90 overall record. A proven leader and championship coach, Coach Caldwell was selected as a 2014 Coach of the Year by the Women's Basketball Coaching Association and a finalist for the prestigious Pat Summit Coach of the Year Award. He has college coaching experience at UMBC and Bowie State, respectively, and is one of the all-time winningest coaches in all Navy basketball history. Moreover, he was inducted into his high school's Hall of Fame on October 11, 2013 at Luther, Bank, Luther Burbank High School in California. He has been recognized as one of the best high school coaches in the country, which makes the Lady Tigers a contender anytime they take the court. He was selected to coach in the prestigious Nike Skills Academy, the Jordan Brand All-American Games, and a court coach for the 2020-17 and under USA basketball team. Coach Caldwell made a lot of history during the 2018-19 season, becoming the first coach to win three Geico High School National Championships. He became the first coach at the National Association of Christian Athletes Sports History to win NACA Division I Girls Basketball National Championships with two different programs. The Lady Tigers finished as the consensus number one team in the country in all the national polls, Max Preps, USA Today, ESPN, and Blue Star. Coach Caldwell is currently authoring his first book entitled What Winning Looks Like. Details coming soon. His passion for the game is unwavering, and you'll be hard-pressed to find a more industrious and ambitious leader. The best is yet to come. Coaches, I'm really excited to get uh, Coach Caldwell on. We're talking about a coach who has won three national GEICO championships. I think we're all going to really learn about what he's doing within his skills program, what he's doing within his leadership program, um, and what is he doing to help his kids play at the next level. And you're going to find out some great details through his experiences at Riverdale Baptist and also now at New Hope. So we got one of the best coaches in the country going to be joining us. So Coach Caldwell, welcome to the podcast.
Hello. Hey, Coach. Hey, good morning. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Doing real well. How about yourself? Appreciate you joining me. I know you got a busy schedule on this uh, July 4th weekend. I know you're ready to get out and uh, have some fun. Or just practice. <laughs> exactly. Hey, 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 that's why you guys are up there on the rankings and everything, right? You're practicing even on a Friday. No question <laughs> about it, man. Got to do it. Yeah. No doubt. Um, hey, I always really enjoy speaking to uh, great coaches like yourself from all over the country and so forth. So I'm looking forward to picking your brain. And, uh, again, I, I really appreciate you joining me on the uh, Championship Vision podcast. So thanks again, Sam. No, thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks to my, my good buddy, Phyllis, for even recommending me. Absolutely. And I tell you, there's so many great coaches. Um, of course, I'm in a place called Greensboro, Georgia, and Atlanta has so many good teams out here. It's unbelievable. Uh, yes. Now, has your team faced uh, that many teams from Atlanta? Yes, we, we, we've played McEachern uh, a good number of times. We've played Southwest DeKalb over there with Kathy Ritchie, another great coach herself. And then um, we've played, uh, I can't remember, uh, St. Francis. We've also St. Francis. Played, yeah. yeah. And uh, they were really, really good, and we played them as well. So, yeah, we played a number of various schools there. And uh, what's was that, uh, Mays High School? Got Mays, played, yeah, sure, yeah, sure. We've played Mays as well, so. Man, yeah, we've we played a good number of Georgia teams, and, and no doubt about it, we had to tie our shoes up tight every time. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and, hey, I really uh, I enjoyed kind of studying and researching uh, you and your philosophies and what you're, you've been doing to really build a national program out there at New Hope. Hey, before mm -hmm. you do that, tell us about your experience growing up in the game or just with sports in general and how that led you to become a coach. You know, we played all sports. You know, we were playing baseball and all that. Um, just got involved with with sports that way. Everyone boxed. So, so I went from swimming to boxing. And, um, and then, of course, just fell in love with the game from there. And um, in the 10th grade, I went to, I went to Luther Burbank High School. But I knew in the 10th grade I wanted to be a coach. And I think my, my, the way I viewed practice, the way I viewed the game uh, from that moment, was you know i was look, trying to look at it as from a coaching perspective i wanted to understand i asked a lot of questions and then ultimately i ended up living with my coach and um you know the the passion just never stopped yeah so i think yeah for sure um, my fire for uh, tell me about your playing experience uh yeah, did you play in college player, uh so you know where where you where did you grow up specifically i I, <laughs> I lost you a little bit there um but if you can go back yeah. That's right. That's right. Okay. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Luther Burbank High School. Uh, and, um, you know, very successful there. Uh, coach John Copeland was a legendary coach there with, with Coach Silva. And then after high school, had a quick stop at Sacramento State. And then I joined the Navy and then played in the Navy. Uh, played overseas in Greece and all that good stuff, and then obviously continued on with my naval career from there and ended up playing um, uh, in Germany. 
and um you know and then just went right on into coaching i was the head coach for the all navy basketball team for the men and women there uh when i got stationed here in the dc area um i was the head track coach at Bowie state and then i was also the assistant men's basketball coach and then started coach i've coached at five different high schools in the area and then yeah uh, and it sounds like uh sam you found well. your niche man you're doing and a then, great uh, job at new hope uh, coach matter of fact i had an opportunity to watch season. some some game video of your team and so forth and i i want you later on to kind of discuss kind of your philosophy on on what you do i really like your team man. they're from last year um hey talk about your coaching journey um i mean you old people don't realize is you were in two national tournaments with Riverdale Baptist, and now you're at New Hope. Man, tell us about that. Yeah. Well, Riverdale Baptist was a was an awesome run, but even before Riverdale Baptist, mm-hmm. I was coaching with Rod Harrison at Eleanor Roosevelt, where we had won five straight state championships. And then I go over to Riverdale Baptist with Diane Richardson um, and great run with her, coached with her for three years and then took over after her for another five years. And, um, I mean, it was just a a heck of a run. I mean, with the athletes that we were able to uh, get into the school that wanted to come and train and play basketball at a higher level uh, was just fantastic. I mean, so it was a – a, a run from Eleanor Roosevelt that transitioned to Riverdale Baptist that also gravitated all the way over to New Hope Academy. So it's been, uh, it's been a long, successful journey, and it's tough. I don't think people really understand how tough it is, you know, to win and to do that consistently. Uh, it's, it's tough, and uh, which is why even on a day like today, I mean, we're doing skill development you know, in small groups. And that, and I think that's what helped set us apart over the years is, is that philosophy you know, on skill development. It, it's very disciplined. It's very organized. It's very systematic. And, yeah, um, and if you absolutely. And I want you to go into that systematic phase because I'm a really believer in skill development. Now, I don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't coach like unbelievable athletes, but it doesn't matter. Because you're trying to get the maximum out of these kids, whatever their talent level, right? Uh, that is correct. That is correct. And so, just so you know, like, so for instance, for us, like our guards, there's uh, certain skill sets we look for in guards. You got to be a master ball handler. Uh, so, obviously, we do a lot of ball handling stuff. There's, we always talk about not passing the ball from the middle of the floor and clearing the paint, you know, so we always have attack and dribble, left, right, clear the paint. We want a short pass, you know, stuff like that to the wings. You know, we never pass the ball from the middle of the floor. Um, Wing progression drill that we, we kind of beat into our kids. And it's just the ability to be able to catch and catch the ball and shoot on the move. You know, so we go from catch and shoot, one dribble pull up, two dribble pull up. There's a counter move outside. There's a jab, counter, we attack middle. I mean, so there's about 15 different moves that we're trying to get our kids to master uh, just from a guard perspective. 
you know, catching the ball in space and all of that good stuff. So we teach our kids that one-on-one means that you're open. Right. Like, I'm not worried about the player that's exactly in front of me. It's 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 where is the help going to come from? You know, further be from the wing or from the top and stuff like that. And then we go, like, even our post players. There's, like, there's yeah. 24 different post moves that sure, we teach sure. our post players. And so, <laughs> you know, that's what I mean by it's very systematic. You know, there's basic, there's rip series low, there's rip series high. You know, there's a center series and there's counter moves to all of that. And that's what we ingrain in them on a regular basis. And then, but to me, being a teacher, obviously, is that there's only one way for me to hold you accountable. That if I showed you something, now I'm going to challenge you to use it in the game. You know, so we say, hey, she was high side. Why didn't you just, you know, drop step or why didn't you? use your counter move and stuff like that. So I think there has to be a way. And I think kids and and students, I would say they learn better that way when they understand exactly what, what you're talking about and they know what they're supposed to do. And I say, you know, once they have learned those things, now you can hold them accountable to it. Right. Cause like, ultimately, cause right, Sam, you got to get them Here's to understand. We can teach you all the, the technique, the whole nine yards. but how, the key is you got to teach them in a in, in more in a game like setting, right? So, how do you get them? To, how do you train them? Um, obviously, you're going to start probably with no defense or a chair, but do you work up where you always have a defender in front of you? And it sounds like you have a second to help defender when you're attacking when you're working with them. That's right, we do. So we go from from what we call man on zero, no defense, to one-on-one, to backside help. Uh, And then, obviously, we'll put a guard up top, and then now they have to make a decision. And so, like our post players, it's two dribbles. Everything that we teach them is either one dribble, no more than two dribbles. You know, and then the three Cs, catch the ball, chin it, check the defense. You know, and I'm like, and you're really good if you can check the defense before the ball touches your hand. And now I can read the defense after I actually have the ball, you know, those types of things. And so, yeah, and it's just a a progression of those skills of learning what to do when you have the ball, you know, making the decision faster, becoming a better passer and all of those things. So, yeah. yeah, uh, And and you teach it in that way. So you're not going to start right away, even though a kid might have some natural skills, you're going to now, I always believe like there are certain basic things that even at my varsity level, I'm teaching the kid because a lot of times kids think they know how to pivot and rip open. And uh, although I mean, they, but but you have to continually remind them about that. Right. Absolutely. And and this drills that we do every day are reiterating those things. I mean, so reiterating those things. And we always talk about creatures of habits, breaking bad habits, you know, reinforcing good habits. And um, so, yeah, I mean, we do this thing called Tiger warm-up every day, and it's mm-hmm. it's ball handling, it's passing, and then we call it skill at the end where they screen right and left. It's a dribble, it's a dribble handoff, and then it's a closeout drill. And just exactly. teach them how to break down. And 
that's every day. I mean, and I know some of them might think, man, we're we doing this again. Yeah, right. Yeah, right hand down, right hand back. Left hand down, left hand back. Cross in front, cross in between. You know, back down. It's all the basic stuff. But that's why, we, like I said, we're always preaching that your talent is not going to be enough. Like everybody has talent. If you're planning to play college basketball or if you got to go play, you play all these great teams that we're going to play with these great coaches, everybody can play. (laughs) But we need you to be able to make decisions on the basketball floor and you master the fundamental. And I mean, when you can sprinkle that talent in there, you know, you might get something special. You can make a play, but at the very, you know, fundamental basis of that is that you know what to do with the ball left, right, you know, cross in between, you know, attack and dribble and make a move to the basket. And so, um, so that's why it is <laughs> for sure. That's right. Day, Mr. Fundamental, you know, the regular Tim Duncan, <laughs> Every day. Um, (laughs) Coach, right now, I mean, I don't don't know if people realize we're still in this dang pandemic. I mean, it's crazy out there. I don't think I don't think we're taking it seriously enough because the numbers are going up or maybe there's more testing. But um, uh, what are you doing with your kids now to, uh, number one, be safe, but still train them in a hard way? Right. Well, up until two weeks ago, we were all on Zoom, uh, and and we sent them uh, sent them workouts in terms of you know we, we did the Mamba Academy stuff, um, you know we even did T twenty five. We we do have a strength and conditioning coach, Coach Reggie Bailey. You know we did some stuff like I right. said it was all virtual and. And just telling them, hey, you know, go run around your block. You know, you don't need me to push yourself up from the ground several times a day. Do some push-ups, sit-ups, you know, those planks, all that stuff that we've been doing. Now you got to have some discipline and do it on your own. And now, lucky for us, Prince George's County, this is like the 34th day in a row where we have declining numbers. So, So we're just able to get in the gym in small groups. And so now we're, you know, we're seven or eight kids or less. And, you know, and now we're, you know, we can do some small group stuff. So, um, so, and, and it's good just to be back. I mean, of course, all the kids are, even their parents, I mean, so happy that we can just do this little bit, you know, yeah. with just a couple kids at a time and, uh, and actually get some work in. So, but yeah, this is, uh, this has been yes, sir. You know, and unlike I, any I think other time in our lives, at right least now, from what I have learned as a coach, and I think our kids have learned, unbelievable. man, you can't take life for granted now. You can't take anything for granted because I think kids are coming back with a new sense of urgency, maybe because they've had a lot of time off. Maybe it's been good for those kids who play all year round. What do you think? I do. Um, Exactly. You know, I think this pandemic has caused, uh, I mean, God shut the world down, (laughs) you know, and we now uh, have a greater appreciation of of everything. Um, And I'm very, very, you know, happy about that. Even even me, I, I tell you, if it wasn't for this pandemic, I mean, 
I, I feel like I've been going since I was 10 years old. I mean, just, just the ability to, to force you to sit down, think, collect thoughts, uh, really understand what's going on, the social awareness that's been happening. Uh, I think it's been really, really good. And, and we're, we're living in a different time. I mean, this is, this is a history-making moment for us. And, and on the other side of it, is going to really yeah, no doubt. In the last few months, we've had a lot really of things happen, be. right, Coach? I mean, uh, a lot of things. And really I think hopefully in the long run, it's going to make us a better nation. What do you think? Yeah. I, I absolutely believe that. And, uh, and that is my prayer for sure. I mean, uh, when you think about, you know, us – you know, taking on racism right now in that institution and just, you know, um, really looking. I was just telling a friend of mine that we, as bad as Corona is, you know, I absolutely thank God for this coronavirus because after that eight minutes and 46 seconds of George Floyd being murdered, right? For if, sure. if the world had not stopped, Eight minutes and 40 seconds later, we would have just went on with our busy lives. But now, you know, even my kids, you know, we're telling them about, you know, there's slavery, there's Jim Crow laws, there's the Civil Rights Movement, there's the Voting Rights Act. Do you, like, understand all of these things that happened and took place in history? Like, so we've actually taken our Zoom calls and talked about these things, you know, with them to bring awareness. And we've had people share personal experiences about you know these other things that have happened to them personally even in their family you know so I, I get, I'll tell you a quick story like my, my father his brother was lynched in Mississippi and my, my dad was about 10 years old at the time and he never went back to school as a result of that incident happening he was too afraid to go back to school so my father never really learned how to read until later on in life because of that incident. And so, I mean, that's like, right. you know, that's not like a far-fetched, mm -hmm. you know, mystery or like somebody you read in a book in the 50, like, like this happened, you know, to my dad's brother, to, you know, my, my uncle that I never met. And so um, those are real things. And, and I think that what an opportunity for our kids to learn yeah, that's so true, that. and I think it's really opened the eyes for everybody for, to see. You know, I hate to say it's a lot of, of tragedy in our history of our country, and hopefully we can right we can open our eyes and learn from that. And let's we got to really move on. We have a lot of work we got to do, right, Coach? Yep. <clears throat> oh, absolutely, and and I think we're going to get there. And you know what? And that's been the beauty of of sports over the years, the integration of that and how that took place. And I've always said, if you talk to anybody on, on a sports team that had an opportunity, you know, to play sports at, at any level, all of those sports teams, for the most part, there have been uh, integrated. There's been diversity, you know, on those teams, you know, and you're, the competition that you get to play against and you learn a healthy right. respect 
even for your competition that, you know, they're not your enemy. They're your, you're competing <laughs> yeah. against them, but you don't hate them. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> you don't want something, you don't want them to have a car crash on the way home. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's a game, you know? And I think our kids and all those of us who've been in sports all of our lives have had a greater appreciation of that uh, and a healthy respect just for other people, you know? And, um, and I think that's that's a wonderful thing. One of my high school teammates, Walter Rimboden, was the only white guy on our team. And I and I took a new, me and Walter was joking one time. And I was like, <laughs> Yeah, that's man, yeah, exactly. All of this stuff, like, <laughs> dude. I didn't even know you was white. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's it's just incredible. But I mean, that's the thing. I mean, in being in the military, one thing that I found. Like all over the world, we have way more in common than we do have apart. We all we all love our families, we all love our God, we all love our kids, we all want a right, career, right. take care of ourselves, and and we all want nice things. That's it. That's universal. It's, it's, it's universal. It's universal. And uh, and in basketball, certainly if you can play this game, yeah, that's well said, uh, Coach. And, and people are people, right? No matter where stuff. you go. I mean, it's, it's far um, beyond color. Uh, I, I guess we, we need as people to get out of our own bubble. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and experience life. People are, are the same no matter where you go. And, of course, everybody's going to be a little bit different. But, yeah. um, Coach, talk about your national championship game. And I enjoyed going back and watching highlights of it. Man, you have. I really like that game with St. John's and you kind of helped me out here a little bit with the game. I was analyzing it mm-hmm. yesterday. They went on a 10 0 run on you guys. And then you, you all went on, I forget the exact run, but you guys did it on defense transition layups. Yep. I love your little point guard, uh, Jada Walker. Um, and you guys made a little run on them at the end, right? absolutely I've, I've always been criticized i even when i went back and watched the game when mm-hmm. they made that run on us even the commentators were saying uh they were surprised i didn't call timeout and, and one of the things that you probably couldn't hear it on the thing but i was telling my team i need you to respond mm-hmm. one thing that I don't, I, I don't like to do i'm sharing a secret here like if a team goes on a run Right, score a basket and you call timeout. Like, what generally happens? The momentum has totally shifted. So, we always call a timeout after we score a basket. So, so, so we were, I was telling them, I need you to respond. I need you to respond. You got to respond. And I didn't call timeout until after we scored a basket. And so, once we got settled down, you know, we were just absolutely making some some mistakes in in transition defense and stuff like that, and we kind of got away from ourselves. But after that timeout, we were able to settle down and get back to, you know, the the game plan. And and we did go back on that run. And in the fourth quarter, I think this was the greatest, Mm -hmm. one of the greatest defensive teams we've had is St. John's only scored two points in the fourth quarter. And we just totally gapped it up, locked it up, contested every shot we rebounded and um you know lo and behold you know we was able to pull out that victory but you know very very talented team uh of course Jada's you know one of the best uh you know even Delisha Pinnock the the shooter she was she 
you know, Absolutely. made our mark. But Kylie Cornegay Lucas is a is a beast. <laughs> I mean, she she took on um, you know that um, that assignment of of guarding uh, Az Foot, and um, you know, and just really made it her business that that she was going to stay in her face and try to make things tough for her that day. And, um, yeah, and, you know, um, and that if somebody was exactly, be, and she was a, somebody else. I mean, I was just watching her. She was good size. She moved well. She had, <laughs> she had good range. She was a big, strong, fun was big and strong. I mean, so what was your, what was your main concept? Just trying to deny her the ball or prevent penetration? Cause I thought you guys did a good job of almost, almost doubling and preventing any type of dribble penetration. That's right. So we we gapped it up. Um, and, and, and I had an opportunity working in the Nike Skills Academy uh, to have a chance to work with AZ a little bit down there and, and watch her. I mean, kid is, I mean, hands down, one hell of a basketball player. I mean, simple as that. And so what we wanted to make sure of is that we disrupted her rhythm. So if she attempted to drive it right or left, whoever was one pass away, we were gapping it up and we would be ready to double if necessary. And, but with Kylie, uh, she's so fast, you know, hands and that ball pressure. Uh, I, I think it was disruptive. And then obviously there was help left or right either way. It was help left or right either way. And, uh, and that's how we just totally gapped it up. And, um, you know, we wanted someone else to, uh, you know, either they were going to make some great plays or, or that was it, but um, but she did a Kylie did a fantastic job, and I think we did a a fantastic job team wise, and everybody holding their assignment. And you look at, you know, Jim hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I'd love to help you get game results this season. Check out a free trial of my Pure Sweat training app on the Google Play and App Store today. Hello, this is Craig Reed, owner and CEO of Corny Board Aids. We specialize in providing coaching aids and equipment for the basketball coach. We are also home of the Corny Board, the original sideline coaching board. I want to recommend Championship Vision Podcast. It is a great way to get insights into what other great coaches and leaders do in their programs. Kevin Furtado brings a great tool to coaches with this podcast. Thanks, Coach Furtado. Jennifer Eze who went to Duke, I mean, she held it down in the paint. You know, DJ came in off the bench, who went to Tennessee Tech. And then our X Factor, who, I mean, I just totally love Demi Washington uh, for her rebounding and de defensive plays that she made, who's now at Vanderbilt. I mean, we had a really, really good team. And, um, and I think they just, uh, they really bought in and, um, and, and just locked in every game from like we we went on a 25 game winning streak from the Nike Tournament of Champions in December. We never lost another game. And it was from those moments that those kids learned how to win. We could win fast, we can win slow. You want to make it a half court game, we'll we'll beat you that way. It didn't matter. But those kids had a um you know, win at all costs. What was the one? Because that's really, what we're really, all searching for, right, you know, coaches? Is trying they, to get – because I actually have a uh, pretty talented team coming back mm -hmm. this year. I'm hoping 
we'll be, we'll be able to play this year and there's no guarantees, right coach. Um, but what's that mental edge? When was you said December? Was there like a particular possession or, or situation where you felt like, okay, we're moving, we're moving to the next level? Mm-hmm. There was a particular game. We, we lost the, to Miami Country Day in the semifinals at the Nike Tournament Champions in Arizona. In an overtime game, kid hit a <laughs> right. We'll leave it at that. Hit a three pointer <laughs> uh, on a phantom foul, <laughs> and a phantom foul. Sure. And uh, kid hits a you know four point four point play. We end up losing the game at the buzzer. And um, after the game, you know, instead of like you know sadness and you know depression seeping in. They were they were like really upset. Uh, they were upset at themselves, and and we heard and they we heard them saying, right. you know, we're we're never losing again. It's like I never want to feel this way again, <laughs> you know. And I was things that they were saying is like we 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 got to get an opportunity to play them again. And I said, and I told them then, you will see them again. Because if we went out, we win our national championship in Tennessee, there was an opportunity uh, that we could get a bid to go to Geico. And I felt pretty confident that Miami Country Day would get a bid also. And um, because they obviously had a very good team as well. And uh, and the coach, you know, Swabe about down there, man, he's been doing a fantastic job for years. So um, I just felt like our, our pass would cross again. And they did. And I'll tell you when the when the Geico announcement came out that we were playing Miami Country Day, the first game, and kids were so so excited, man. It was like, oh yes, yeah, yeah. We, we no doubt it ain't going down like that again, buddy. <laughs> so uh, you know whatever it is you need to motivate you, you know, as players and teams. Um, but that really rallied the team together. Is that that bitter loss of losing at the buzzer like that? And and then it went viral, I mean, a couple billion views of of that shot going in, and uh, you know that's right. They did they <laughs> they did not take kindly to it, needless to say. Right, and it's it's also a credit to you and your staff that to, to kind of get them, you know, continually get them focused on that, but have them focus on doing the right things. Because I know a lot of times with kids they get emotional, yeah. but they don't get focused on doing the right things. How do you? How do you direct them to just focus on hoops? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the daily grind of, you know, <clears throat> repetition. And and we talked about these two things all the time, you know, as part of our mantra is that we we love each other and stick together. Love each other and stick together. And so that's what we've been doing in, in that regard is just trying to make sure that you know, that we love each other and, and stick together. Hold on. Someone's walking up to my car. Uh, How are you doing? Nice to meet you. you too. <laughs> Thank you so much for Coach Beanie. Oh, my God. Yes, ma'am. Can you imagine if we even had even Jay Hall's dad last year? Yes. I, what you, I mean, for you to go from a winning coach to have to deal with that drama. 
Yes, ma'am. I'm gonna have to call you. I'm actually doing an interview right now. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna call you. I appreciate you. Sorry, man. I should have. I should have went in the closet. <laughs> exactly. You can't hide, right, Coach? Not, not, not these days, man. No problem. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, we we just talk about loving each other, you know, and staying together as a team, and that nobody's more important than the team. Um, and that the the name on the front of our jerseys is the most important thing. And and so again, that's just part of our culture uh, of saying and reiterating those things every day. And so we have this thing about who did you help today? You know, whether it be did you help a teammate today? Did you help another student? You know, at school today. But we always talk about you know servanthood and and helping you know one another. And so we're always looking for opportunities to help. And, uh, and I just help, I, I just really am a firm believer that helps kids stay grounded that, you know, God blessed you with unbelievable talent, you know, and opportunities. You have an obligation to bless others. And so that, that thing is just ingrained in them also. And, and, and we have really good kids and we have really good families and, and uh, for the most part, you know, 90% of them buy into that. And then, you know, there's a small percentage that doesn't. And then there's some people that, you know, we say we understand that, you know, this may or may not be the program for you. But we want you to be a good person. You know, we can teach you how to be a good basketball player. But if you ain't a good person, I mean, it doesn't matter. None of this that we're talking or singing is going to work. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And sometimes, right, coach, that not yeah. everybody's not everybody's going to follow the standards that you set. And then, hey, that's their decision. Hey, they can stay or leave. Right. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. And <laughs> unfortunately, I've been known for, uh, you know, having to remove some people that most people would not remove, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, uh, and and that's just we spend way too much time with each other for us. Uh, not to be on the same page or or not to be uh, really looking out for each other. But if you're here and you're looking out for yourself, you, you're probably not going to last. Because right. it's, it's a much, much more bigger vision than that. Yeah, and absolutely. And, and I think that you're dealing with, obviously, a lot of talented kids. And that people don't realize when you have a talented group, Sometimes that's hard to get them to gel together. So I love what you have done to really focus on helping each other. And that's, that, I love the servanthood. I love that. I really believe in that. So it's not as easy as what people think, right, Coach? No, not at all. I, I've always said <laughs> it, when you have talent, that's when you absolutely better know how to coach. Because if, sure. if, if you don't have any talent, it doesn't matter. You're going to lose. So <laughs> you need exactly. some talent, but that talent requires some management, you know, and as you know, sometimes really, really great players, their personalities are a little bit different than the average person. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and that requires some management, you know, and you want one great player, Chloe Jackson that we had, and I absolutely love Chloe, but Chloe had, individuality that she liked to express and if you know watch her now she's actually <laughs> like modeling she's doing her own branding i mean 
she's probably going to be on uh, on the cover of some magazine somewhere doing something fantastic. <laughs> sure. But but in high school as a military man, you know, I would be like, uh, okay, the team would decide we're all wearing blue socks tomorrow. Chloe would come out and she'd have on white socks. Exactly. You know? Yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> And then, you know, every now and then it was like, hey, Chloe, come on, man. We need you to match with the team, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And everybody would be matching. And Chloe would come out with gold shoestrings. Something (laughs) would be different. Exactly. (laughs) It it didn't matter. (laughs) And, you know, and I used to tell people all the time, he's like, coach, why do you put up with this and all this? It's not that serious, man. Relax. You know, I said, when the ball goes up, guess what? I ain't never thought about her socks. I ain't never thought about her shoestrings. And neither did you. You know, but at the same time, there's some things, you know, you're going to have to uh, not just accept, but, you know, also be in agreement with. Yes, I understand this. This is her. And you got to still let them be them, even sometimes in a team setting. Yeah, I love that, coach, because I think you have to still allow kids to have that individualism within your team. I think that's really important, particularly for girls. I think that yeah. offers creativity. It's almost like Phil Jackson allowing Dennis Rodman to do his thing off the court, but when the game oh, yes. time comes around, he's going to bust it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's it. That's why you have to allow it sometimes. And that's that. I mean, what a perfect analogy. I mean, that's that whole management part. You know, each one of those kids have different needs. And, and, and those needs are, you know, you have to address them. And I think the, coaches that can do that are more successful in in managing you know the kid as well as the family for that instance I mean there's no doubt about it high school coaches have to deal with parents and sometimes you have to teach them too absolutely yeah it's a constant I don't think it's a battle but it's a constant connection that you have to make with people I mean it's a people business right absolutely and, and I like I hear some coaches say, you know, they, they don't want to deal with parents and all that good stuff. I'm kind of the opposite. Like I talk to my parents all the time and and I have three daughters of my own. And so I know how I feel about my daughters and I would be uh, totally my, my daughter could not play for a coach that didn't talk to me. Mm-hmm. For you sure. know? And so I talk to my parents because I want them to know we have the same. Uh, common bond we want what's best for your kid and I'm like I know you're not going to like everything that I do or every decision I make but at least if we talk and we have a relationship at least you understand where I'm coming from and you certainly understand I'm not trying to be uh, do anything malicious towards your kid I want what's best for your kid even if you think I'm you don't like the method but hopefully you can tolerate the madness (laughs) and so that's where we are and that's where we, we like to be in terms of being on the same page. It, it, any relationship, it's based on the foundation of communication. Like we, we have to be able to communicate with one another. And uh, so the door is always open. I don't have closed practices, nothing like that. Our parents can watch. Mm-hmm. I, I just tell them, obviously, you know, you can't be coaching your kid from the sideline and things like that. And don't be talking in my practices. But you can watch all day long. absolutely Uh, um and what about what about since we're talking about parents talk about games coach because i know parents 
love to talk to their child during games. And that can be a distraction to the player. Uh, how do you deal with that if it's done? Well, we talk about it because it, it's – I think they see our practices. I, I think a lot of parents sometimes talk to their kids when they don't have a lot of confidence in the coach. And so I'm saying, hey, don't bring your kid here if if you're not going to allow us to coach them. Or they could just go play for you. But if they're here, then let us coach them. Right. And, um, and I think we've had a really, really – you know, I, I, I don't I want to say this as humbly as I can. Because we've had a lot of success, we don't really have a lot of people talking. So, <laughs> sure. you know, they might they may not like certain things, but I, I think the success is like, hey, I brought my kid over here because it's been a successful program. And, and I want my kid to be part of, you know, a successful program. But we still talk all the time, but they're not yelling and screaming at their kids in the stands. If they are, you know, thank God I can't hear it. So, <laughs> right, you know, but but I don't think we get too much of that uh, at, at all. And like I said, if we do, I'm because I'm on the other side. Maybe I'm I'm just not hearing it, and I I really don't want to if they are. Yeah, and sometimes as coaches, I, I mean, sometimes we just gotta have we gotta have bad hearing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we can't, you know, because not everybody's gonna be, uh, you know. Um, Loving us all the time and so forth. As long as they respect what we do, that's all we ask. Hey, Coach, Absolutely. Talk, talk about your offense and defensive system. I was watching you guys. You got – it looks like, uh, first of all, you have a really good point guard and transition game and so forth. But it, it seems like you run a, a double post offense. Your two bigs inside operate really good. Kind of tell us what you do offensively. Well, offensively, it just depends on the matchups. I mean, uh, like that national championship team, we actually started four guards and one post. Okay. So it just depends on the personnel. And if I believe we can rebound uh, with those four guards on the floor, because we we have a goal. We got to get 40 rebounds or we typically lose games. Okay. And so, um, so depending on the matchup, We'll go to two bigs, three guards, or we'll go four guards, you know, one big. And and as you know, we'll have some kids like a Demi Washington, you know, who's like 5'11". She's not a post player. She's a really, really big guard, but she's a nice big physical player as well. And, you know, when you have those tweeners in there, there's an opportunity where uh, now she's also a matchup problem to an opposing team who – who probably does have two bigs, you know, and there's no other big, you know, that's really going to be able to guard Demi Washington, for example, out beyond the three-point line. So, um, but we like to play fast. I mean, we are getting it and going make or miss. Uh, We're in transition. And so we always say we want to push the ball. We want to reverse it. We want to look to attack. And if nothing is there, then we'll call the play. But we're, the last thing we want to do is actually really call a play. Right. But we want to push the ball, push the ball, and we're looking for those quick hits. We're looking for those, you know, where we might have an advantage. You know, for example, if Jennifer or DJ or Agnes, somebody down in the paint for us is one-on-one, you know, we want to get it to them early. We want to get it to them early, things like that. Um, and then we always felt like that, you know, between Jada, you know, D and Kylie, 
Well, I just didn't believe that there were going to be three guards on the floor that was the same talent level. So we would have to try to figure out who has who has a potential mismatch. And then we would go toward that, you know. So, I mean, we're really looking for those matchups and looking for opportunities where we can we can get good shots. And and we're gonna take what they give him. But if you if you're not gonna run the floor, then you're gonna have a you're gonna have a hard time against us. Yeah, and Absolutely. and you and you guys aren't playing an easy schedule. You're pr- you're pretty much playing a national schedule, right? We throughout. Put, so you got yeah. you got to beat teams that are probably as talented or pretty darn close. So you're just not running up the score by fifty points on on basic teams. You're you're going against good competition. And that's what we're looking for. I mean, those kids are going to college. I mean, we want to play other college level. Um, I mean, kids that have college level players and and get them ready for college. I mean, you're not going to get them ready to play at the next level if you're trying to play, you know, inferior opponents and stuff like that. So, yeah, we are intentionally seeking out, you know, the best teams we can find so that we can get better. Or there's no need, or there's no reason to have a team like that. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it, you you need to go play, you know, some other people that that want to play. And so I really, I mean, over the last few years, we've had one of the toughest schedules in the country, and we'll we'll continue to do that. Yeah, and there's so many. Don't you feel like girls basketball and the high school level, it's getting better and better. There are more teams. Yes. Matter of fact. Um, I speak to a guy the other day. I spoke to a guy, uh, Craig Campbell from Clovis West High School in Fresno, and mm-hmm. I, um, uh, Miramonte coach. I spoke to uh, out there in California. There are so yes. many great teams. Modern Day High School. How many yes. great teams are around the country? Yeah, there there are several. And and Kelly Sopak at Miramonte and and the other coach at Clovis mm-hmm. West. You're right. Some of the best. Uh, Sue Phillips at Archbishop Mitty. Yeah, yeah. You know, Tom, that was at St. Mary's. Um, You got uh, Bugs down there at Long Beach Poly. I mean, a lot of great coaches, man. Uh, Marlon Wells, one of the better coaches out of San Diego area also. And then the DMV is always strong um, (laughs) as well. And so, I mean, Bishop McNamara is one of our rivals. I mean, but and you need those games because those are the games that people want to see. Right. I mean, if we're going to grow the game, grow the game by playing games that people want to see. Nobody wants to see, you know, a hundred to five basketball game. They want to see real basketball. They want to see, you know, these girls have an opportunity to compete, especially when they're in the, when we're in the same area, we're in the same area. Why, why are we not playing? I mean, it makes zero sense. I mean, and, and I think it hurts the game when we're not playing those games, it's, it's not helping grow the game. And it has to be, you know, far beyond, you know, us p- potentially trying to protect our records and stuff like that. It's play the games that people want to see so that we can grow the game. That to me, that's what's important. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that's growing and growing because I'm seeing more and more. Now we're a small, we're a small seven, a school out here in Georgia but um, I know there's schools like yourself who, uh, and many more that are playing a national schedule. I think it's great for the game to kind of put the top players on a stage. I think it's really good for the women's game. Oh, man. 
I mean, it's essential. And and you think about the young ladies that's that's playing. I mean, super talent. I think the kids are getting better and better. <clears throat> I mean, I mean they can shoot it from downtown. I mean, the moves they're making right now. Um, I mean, the strength they're showing. I think you'll have more girls dunking in basketball <laughs> here pretty soon. Uh, but I love the purity of the game in terms of of how they play. And, and now the the tremendous athleticism that they're displaying on the floor from the ball handling, you know, power hopping, spin moving. I mean, these girls can, can flat out play. I mean, they, I, my hat's off to all of them because they've been putting in work and they certainly deserve an opportunity to be, you know, on those stages. Yeah, so true, Coach. And I'm hoping to see you in Atlanta next year coaching the uh, McDonald's All-American game. You know what I'm saying? Hey. I'm hoping, I'm hoping you're here in Atlanta. I need <laughs> I need you to start picking him for me or something, man. That's what I, I, I do whatever I can, Coach. Uh, but, um, hey, that, um, would be, that would be fantastic, man. That's a, <laughs> That's as a coach. That's a. I think that's any coach's dream. But I, I would love an opportunity to do that for sure. Yeah, I know. You, yeah, I know you. Hi, I'm Alex Stevenson, athletic director and girls basketball coach at Dodd City. I've been at Dodd City for seven years. During those seven years, we've won seven district championships, been to six regional tournaments, and three state championship games. I'm a huge fan of this podcast, what it brings, and the platform that we're able to share knowledge and wisdom on and, and grow as coaches you'll have an opportunity eventually um coach talk about uh, you won that game st john's based on from what i watch because i always watch teams that play defense because i think those are the teams that are really coached well um mm-hmm. you guys did a good job the score was like 45 37 that wasn't like a an offensive game it was a defensive battle wasn't it a, a total defensive battle i mean again you know john scrivener been doing a heck of a job at St. John's for a long time. I mean, extremely accomplished coach. Um, and, uh, you know, it was that day, I think we just had a uh, – it, it was just our time. You know, it was our time because of of how that team really was brought together, the time and work put in, and they just had a, a, uh, a no-lose mentality. And they were one of the best defensive teams we we've ever I've ever had a chance to coach. I mean, we've held a lot of teams under forty points. I mean, really good teams that had really good players. <laughs> you know, right. and and you look at you know uh, uh, I forgot Matumbo the kid. I mean, she's at North Carolina, hell mm-hmm. of a player. A Z player of the year. Right. I mean, the other young ladies. I mean. Went to Wagner and all. I mean, great kids. I mean, these kids can flat out play. And um, and I think that we just had a, a defensive scheme that they probably had not seen before. And that and that scheme just kind of got them out of their rhythm a little bit. So, but when you can get kids to play defense and to be aggressive, uh, and, and really do your job, not over rotating, and then we call it gang rebounding, like mm-hmm. we knew. You know, we were playing one of the better rebounding teams. AZ is a good rebounder as well as a bigger guard. And then, obviously, they have one of the top post players. I mean, we knew we were going to have to, you know, fight on the boards and, and all of that. And so we gang rebound the basketball. And then we wanted to put pressure on them, too. 
that yeah, but there's some matchup problems you have for us too, <laughs> and, and you're gonna and you're gonna have to deal with us also uh, offensively. But they play aggressive. I mean, if you if watching the the film, I mean, uh, St. John's has been known for terrific man to man defense. I right. mean, and they and they absolutely uh, get up in you. You got to have guards that can uh, handle that ball pressure uh, and make and make the right decisions with the basketball. But, I mean, they they were an outstanding defensive team as well. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. It was a defensive battle to hold you guys to 45 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so the, the difference, what, what have you learned through that victory and through your other victories that there has to be one or two, the, the win at the national level, there has to be one or two key things. And it sounds like, you're talking about great half-court defense, transition defense, and rebound. That's what I get out of it, right? Absolutely. And we talked about that as part of our, you know, the standards that we have for ourselves is that we now, <clears throat> up until that time, we never said that we want a whole team on under 40 points. Now we're talking about holding teams under 40 points. Right. You know, and 40 rebounds you know, and limiting transition baskets because St. John's, when they went on that run, they went on that run because our transition defense was terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we were just literally getting beat by, down the court. So getting back, filling lanes, um, and then uh, and then obviously gang rebounding. I mean, it, it's so important that, to be able to limit a team to one shot because, as you know, I mean, this is a game of possessions. If I can have twice as many possessions of of you uh, as your opponent, then you got a good opportunity to to win a basketball game. So, yeah, you you said it, you know it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, um, and I, I I appreciate you sharing all the details, particularly of that game and so forth. Yeah. It's always a little easier after you win, right, Coach? <laughs> uh, always. <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, but, before um, that is prayer. That's it. <laughs> that's right. Uh, hey, before you go, talk about your. I seem like you're you're into great practices. How do you how do you put together a practice? I want my coaches who are listening to kind of say, "Hey, this I can add this to my my practice arsenal." Well, I tell you the one thing that we do, like I said, Tiger warm up every day. I, I think it helps. One that stresses the fundamentals. Of, of every day. Uh, and it also helps get the kids in a routine. I also think it helps their bodies and their minds get ready to practice. <laughs> I have a um, This is how I warm up and I need to get through this routine so I can be ready for practice. And right. then we use this, um, we use practice planner um, live um, online. So whether it be okay. preseason in season and postseason play, you know, I'm I'm doing our workouts on there and based on what we're trying to emphasize or work on, I can track and see where we've spent most of our time and maybe what we need to spend more time on, you know, things like that. So it gives you even a graphical interface of of what you've been doing at practice. And so you know, and sometimes this is, you know, now I'm giving up, you know, major secrets here. Sometimes, you know, <laughs> like college, we film practice sometime. Mm-hmm. Depending on if we're introducing a new concept, 
we may film practice so we can watch it and really see, you know, who's doing things well, who we we may need to go go over things again, you know, and blah, blah, blah. But we're really absolutely trying to make sure that our kids are learning concepts. So like shell drill, you know, we'll do three on three shell, four on four shell, five on five shell. And just making sure the defensive concepts that we're teaching, that they're actually getting it. And then who does it well? Who does it the best? You know, what groups are the best together? You know, all of those things. I mean, so it's almost like a data collection. And then we put together a game plan based on that. But you want to, if so we can say we want to play fast and we like the press and all of that good stuff. But it really depends on the personnel that we have. For example, we had one year we had we started four kids over six foot. And <laughs> I wanted to we wanted to press and all of that. Well, those big girls, we couldn't press anybody. <laughs> sure. And and I hated it. You know, personally, I hated it because I wanted to play faster. But we were just better in the half court because obviously we could take up more space. But we could not press. Right. We could not press. So, you know, so coaches have to be, you know, you have to understand what your kids do well. And, and then conceptually, you know, team-wise, what you do well. And then you have to train them to that uh, because that's your job as a coach is to put your kids in the best situation where they can be successful. It's not about necessarily what you want to do, but it, what what can your kids do? And then you got to train them to maybe improve in different areas, but – uh, but it is based on that personnel and the talent that you have. That's a great point, Coach. Hey, talk about the the practice planner live. Is that a software you guys use? Yes, uh, it's a software. Yeah, tell us about that because I I, I try to keep up with everything, uh, but I haven't yeah. seen that before. Yeah, it's it's a it's a software tool. You know, we keep uh, you know a lot of drills in there. We we keep some of our plays in there. We have a playbook and all of that good stuff as well. Um, you know, and you can track your days, you know, the hours you spent doing stuff. And I print that out and that's what I give my coaches when we get to practice. Or I, I actually email it to them with right. a PDF file and, and we'll talk about, you know, uh, the things that we want to do at practice and stuff like that. And then we'll print it out and everybody's on the same page. And the other thing I love about it is, is the time. Like if we say we're going transition layups for 10 minutes or the Drake drill or <laughs> shell drill, you know, we have a time on that. And then our manager, she has it also. And she puts the time up on the clock. Right. And so it just really helps us keep track of, you know, where we are time wise, you know, practice for us is like, it's down to the second, you know, we know what we're doing. I mean, down to free throws and water breaks, mm -hmm. you got 30 seconds for this one minute for that. Our 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 uh, water breaks are never more than one minute. Sure. So depend so depending on what we're doing, it's we're simulating, you know, timeouts. It's a thirty second timeout. It's a one minute timeout, or sixty second timeout. And uh, and practice is is built that way. And you must compete, do something competitive, at practice every day. So most of our practices are. I mean, we're competing. So we, we have an NBA drill we do. Um, losers got to run. You know, if we do a shooting drill. Losers got to run. <laughs> sure. You know, I mean, that's 
just the name of the game. Maybe don't like if you don't like running, do an extra running, then don't lose. So, <laughs> so it's competitive, and uh, and that that's and even you know, or we'll do queen of the court. I mean, it's one on one. It's the way we teach our guards, uh, you know, to work on individual skill, one on one moves, and and all of that. And losers got to win. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> got to pay a price, right? Pay a price. <laughs> That's um, right. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, and it, it's fun. And then practice has to be fun, too. Sure, sure. You know, it, it has to be fun. Obviously, we have music sometime and, uh, you know, we may have half court shots or whatever, but it, it's high school at the end of the day. You know, we want our kids to have fun. We want them to, you know, to be, you know, fierce competitors. But at the end of the day, man, we got to have some fun. Right. And I, I was listening to a uh, coach the other day going, the harder we work, the more fun it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I tell you, we, and we say that it's something similar to that, that nobody's going to work harder than us and nobody's going to have more fun than us. Right. Sure. So, yeah. You got to have both. Hey, before you go, coach, you mentioned a couple of your drills, NBA drill, the Drake mm-hmm. drill, queen of the court, kind of go into So a coach listening will go, man, I'm going to add that into my repertoire. Um, talk about so, some of your best drills. So the NBA drill, which is very, very competitive. So if we have 15 kids at practice, uh, for example, we, we could go five on five or we could do, you know, three sets of, 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 of I mean, five sets of three players. So you'll have one, group start in the middle and you got two two teams on defense at the other end so they'll choose a way to go the and we call it make it take it if the team makes it then they get the ball and they head down to the other end and they stay on until they miss if the other team gets a re- gets the rebound then they're head down and now we have subs coming on they're off i got you because okay you know so it's make it take it or you get the rebound and go. And so we'll play to, you know, we'll say 10. And the team that gets the 10 first, obviously win. Losers got to run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. So, so that's the NBA drill. The Drake drill is a, it's a transition drill of, of three players, of five players, I'm sorry. And so there's two at half court and there's, uh, you know, uh, three, the one it'll start once a player shoots a shoots a free throw, and they're filling outside the cones, and they got to sprint down to the other end, get underneath the cones, and then they got to head back the other way. I can send you if you look up the Drake drill. Okay, I mean it's not a drill that I I, I mean I stole it from Drake. That's why it's the Drake drill. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but if you look it up, I mean it's a fantastic uh, transition drill. Uh, but you're, it forces your kids to run. And so they got to try to make – sometimes we'll say, yeah, we want to make 10 layups in one minute. Right. I mean, that's pushing the ball, and that's them that's sprinting the floor. And if you don't make 10, uh, then you got you to gotta, you gotta go again. Right. So, you know, so that means clean passes, catching and finishing. I mean, it's uh, – it's a drill that really, really forces your kids to run and fill lanes. And that's kind of how we, because we want to play that way, then you have to train that way. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. 
Hey, do you um do you have a drill that man you feel like you really kind of created or maybe you stole it from somebody, but you really adapted it to what you really believe in? Is there anything like that that you um that you guys have really created for yourself? Yeah, we have a drill called transition layups. I saw uh, GW do a similar drill this this way, and then of course I just incorporated my own touch on it as all of us coaches do, you know, we see something and then we put our own touch on it. Yeah. And so we do transition layups uh, kind of like every day. And and it's just what, you know, uh, a, um, a rebounder at the, at the end, then you have the, your, your guards out near the free throw line extended. And then you have that second line, the third line up near the half court line. Mm-hmm. And so she gets that rebound and we're emphasizing catching the ball at the highest point, pivoting outside. You know, our guards are back to the sideline coming to the ball. And then we're no more than one dribble and we're pushing the ball up the line. So that's why we say that first look is always up the line. Mm-hmm. And then so the passer now has to – so the rebounder is rim running. She has to sprint down to the other floor to the opposite basket and catch the ball before it hits the floor. So she got to get she got the rebound, the outlet, the ball is being pushed up the line. She has the rim run to make sure the ball doesn't hit the floor out the net. So and then she has to clear the paint and take the ball out because now the shooter has become the outlet. Back to the base sideline, the passer has to sprint through the free throw line. And now she's going to be the first pass up the line. And that's transition layups. So you got to be boogieing. <laughs> I love that so, because, yeah, I'm trying to think because we really run a, a what we call a sideline numbered break. And we're always looking for drills to get our girls to push. I mean, and we got good little guards. But, man, the toughest thing to do is to get your point guards one dribble, boom, snap, push it out. And that's a lot of times we use heavy balls and things like that to get them stronger. Um, yeah. That's important, man. Your girl's got to get to that corner, right? Yes. And so we always say you're feeling outside the three-point line, and we'll take that transition layup drill, and then we integrate it what we call post. Okay. So now the post player, player, same thing, outlet, balls pushed up the line. Instead of the young lady going to make the layup, she's outside the three-point line. So now she's shot faking a nice wraparound right or left pass Right. And she's hitting the post player trailing. Love it. Love it. Yeah. And so that's just part of our our transition offense, which we call American. I mean, the same thing, you know, so it's just broken down now into a drill. Yeah, I love yeah. that, Coach. Man, I appreciate you uh, sharing the inside and in what you do in your program. And um, again, yep. I, I just want to thank you for um, – you know, just helping out us coaches on that. I know you're on a busy schedule. I know you got your workouts going on, but I really appreciate you sharing with us. No, thank you, and I appreciate you having me. Coach, what's the best way to get a hold of you uh, if a coach wanted to contact you? Uh, just, I mean, email or my cell. Uh, email is uh, scaldwell at newhopeacademy.org. And, uh, and my cell is 240 five three five five six five five and if i don't answer i always call with back within a day i return all my calls 
Absolutely. And you're probably going to face another good point guard maybe this year and the girl from Westlake. Um, and you have this, some other kids out here that are pretty good. You might face them maybe on a national tournament. It is possible. It is that, <laughs> and I know they have a, a again another great coach in, in in their own right as well. And and uh, but yeah, I know I'm very familiar with Raven. We watch and follow uh, uh, Westlake also. So um, so we'll see. I, I really hope we do get an opportunity to do it. I mean, that would be fantastic. Absolutely. I hope to see you in Atlanta next year or the year after, Coach. I I, I know you're going to get there sooner or later, uh, the McDonald's it. game. Coach, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Have a great Friday. Thank you. You too. All right. Take care. Bye. Hey, coaches. This is Brad Hillegas, content producer at Huddle for the NBA, NCAA Division One, and high school basketball. I'm a big fan of Coach Furtado's podcast, Championship Vision because it connects coaches around the country that want to continue learning and growing our beloved game. The X's and O's, coaching philosophy, teaching principles, they're all here. And that's a mission that we're working on at Huddle as well. More than 160,000 teams, including the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate their performance with video. But our collection of online tools is much more than that. Mobile, desktop apps, smart cameras, video editing, data analytics software, the list goes on. But our goal is to help coaches like you teach the game in a modern way, whether that's connecting with your athletes, communicating your game plan, or looking to gain a competitive edge. And if you want to see how Huddle can help your program, visit huddle.com. That's H-U-D-L.com to learn more. And of course, keep listening to the Championship Vision podcast to never stop learning. Huddle is the preferred video and analytics platform for over 6 million users and 150,000 teams worldwide. Huddle offers a complete performance platform, including the most powerful and flexible tools for video analysis with online tools, mobile and desktop apps, smart cameras, analysts, and more. For more information on Huddle, check out hudl.com or at Huddle on Twitter and Instagram.